We're in a series. Um, the series name is simple. It's How's About Jesus for a Change? And the reason we thought about it was because in New Year's, and it's not as new a year as it was just a couple of weeks ago when we started the series, but in this time of New Year, we generally have an idea of transformation and change and wanting to, uh, wanting to live better this year than we have in the previous years. We want a better marriage. Who here, who here doesn't want a better marriage in the new year? Go ahead, just like does not. No, I don't want a better marriage in this year, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> pay attention. Okay, uh, so now, who here says, you know what, I don't want to be any more healthy than I've been in the last few years, right? No, right, now all of us, all of us are, are in the new year, it gives us an opportunity, birthdays, new years, things like that, give us an opportunity to sort of look at our lives and say, you know what, uh, I want to see transformation. I want to see change. And so we've started this series. Now, in this series, we've discussed the the main question that we've been sort of wrestling with throughout the series is this. It's, what if my idea of change changed? That's what we've been wrestling with. What if the way I thought about change changed? What if the way I looked at change changed? Now, the reason we say it is because when we talk about change and what we usually think about change is we think about instant. When we think about change, we think about stuff that happens on the outside. In Christ, what we do, what we do discover, though, is not so much that change is instant as much as it is eternal. Change for the Christian, and man, I, you know, I got a little experience with this. I've been pastoring a church for over a dozen years. I got a little, I've been counseling most of y'all. Listen, change I've discovered is not so much an instant, although God can do that. I've seen God do that with some people, and I hate every one of them, right? You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it took, me, it took me forever to stop smoking cigarettes, right? Forever. Oh, I had flu-like symptoms. Felt like I was kicking bags of heroin. It was awful, right? Awful. And then I have a, 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 one of my closest friends, wait, one day came, yeah, one day came up and said, hey, uh, could you guys pray for me? You know, I want to stop smoking cigarettes. They laid hands on him, prayed for him. It never had a cigarette since. It's been over 10 years. I hate that dude, right? <laughs> I go, why did, why, no, but, but that's the point. So that, that can happen, but that's not the normative way it happens in Christ. The normative way it happens, we find out, is not instant, it's eternal. It's a gradual process that continues growing. It's eternal, it's inevitable, it's on its way, but it's not instant. So for those of you who've been struggling with your drinking for a lot of years, listen, I got hope for you. It's eternal. It's an ongoing process. Jesus is doing something in you. For those of you who've been struggling with using heroin or crack or whatever your deal is, it's eternal. It's an ongoing thing. For those of you who click, click and watch, watch. For those of you who buy more than you need and for those of you who spend more than you have, there's a process. It's eternal. So what if my view of change changed? So that's what we've been sort of wrestling with in this series. And one of the things that we discovered about change is that it's not so much that we got to change our actions, but that our affections need to change, which was last week's big idea. Last week, we said that God needs to change our affections before he can change our actions. God needs to change our affections before he can change our actions.
And that's not hard to understand, right? You get over an old lover, how? Finding a new lover, right? right? Some of you are in that process right now. Yeah. Right. Hope not. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. God has to change. Because have you ever, listen, have you ever sat down and asked yourself, oh my goodness, why do I keep on doing that? I've done that a million times. Has anybody else done that? Anybody? Yeah, 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 watch this. I do that too. Listen, watch. You know why? Here's the secret. The reason why is because we like to. We want to. That's why. That's why we act out in behaviors that we don't want to. Because we like it. Oh, okay. So then what has to change is that our likes have to change. Our affections have to change. So we said last week that God, if he's going to change our actions, he's got to change our affections. And we said that God has to turn it from the lover that we've been pursuing, the sin, the thing that we've been looking to make us whole, the thing that we think will bring us pleasure, that dark thing that nobody else knows about that if we reveal will blow up our whole lives. Well, that is going to save us. And we said, no, 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 that's not going to save us. Jesus is going to save us. So whether it's our sexuality or our money or our, uh, our view of what success looks like, whatever it is, we said, no, no, no. Our affections have to change from what we think will bring us that joy, satisfaction, pleasure to Jesus who brings us joy, satisfaction, and pleasure. It's focusing on Christ. So we've been looking, as we've been just wrestling with this scripture, we've been wrestling with a scripture for a few weeks. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, and we've read it every, um, every week so that we could be reminded um, about what God is trying to do. And we've been just taking a little bit apart, li- taking it apart little by bit, bit by bit, throughout this series. So we have a tradition, we're going to read it again, and we have a tradition in our church to stand at the reading of God's Word. Now the reason we stand, now if you're new, man am I glad you're here. If you're new or you're just coming back, boy am I glad that you're here. One of the things that we want to say with our bodies by standing and reading the scriptures is that God's word is more powerful and more authoritative than mine. Now, you might not be there right now. Like, that might not be your story. You might go, listen, God, that's a fake book written by man and all that other stuff. That's, that's okay. We're not angry at that. You feel whatever way you want to. But we want to be reminded as Christ followers that God actually has some words to say. Um, not only about our lives, but about his glory. And we want to just sort of stand in reverence. So if you're new and you don't feel that, you can sit down. Nobody will be mad at you and nobody's taking any notes on you. Um, But we're going to read the scripture together. And we read it out loud together because we're a community of believers. And the Bible tells us to read it together. So in in the count of three, we're going to read it together in a nice, loud, robust voice. Let's, Let's do it together. One, two, three. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of, uh, due to the hardening of their hearts. 
having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. May God bless the hearing of his word. Please have a seat. So, if you want to hear where this series has come from and how we've built to this point, you can go on our website or you can go on our podcast, rhowbk.org website, or our podcast, uh, Recovery House of Worship Brooklyn. Um, That's our podcast. Um, And you can find out more about what we'll say about these things. But first thing that we we notice is in verse 17 through 19, that's the plight of those who want nothing to do with God. And basically, those who want nothing to do with God, those who don't want to hear God, eventually stop hearing from God. They get their wish. It's interesting to me. Because um, non-Christians say, God isn't fair, you know, that's not fair that some people should go to heaven and other people should go to hell, and that's not fair. Let me tell you something. The only person who can say that is the Christian, because the Christian is the only one who doesn't get what he deserves. He's the only one. Everybody else just keeps on moving in a direction. Hey, God, I don't want to hear you. Hey, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear you. And God goes, okay. C.S. Lewis said it this way, in the end, there's only two types of people. There are those to whom say to God, God, thy will be done. And then there are those to whom God says, thy will be done. Do it your way then. And so, in verses 17 through 19, describe that. And if you want to hear a better um, exposition on that, you can find out from the podcast or the website. Then in verse 20, we saw verses, uh, yeah, 20 and 21, we saw, and this is one sentence, that however, uh, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. In other words, it's in Jesus we are given a new life. If you don't know what being a Christian is, it's not, God is not in the business of making okay people better. God is in the business of making dead people alive. So it's not an issue. It's not an issue of, can God help me with my bad habit? Can God help me? But I'm a good person. There are no good people. Listen, there are no good people. Here's how I know. Um, You might be good only in comparison to me, right? Because I'm not that good. So you're pretty good if you compare yourself to me. And I'm fine with that. But here's the deal. You're not that good in comparison to God right? Like, I might be able to really play ball, right? I think, I honestly, the, the little girls who are sitting in front of me, I think I can beat them in basketball, maybe, right? There's, there's, some of them look tough, right? But I, I probably could not play against LeBron James, right? I mean, I, I'd look great in front of the girls, not so good in front of LeBron James, right? Your moral account looks fantastic when you compare yourself to me. 
Not so good when you compare yourself to God. So it's in Christ. So Christ says you don't need a helper. You need a savior. You don't need one step up. You need a resurrection. And for some of us, we don't even have a compartment in our minds. We just think, well, I'm a good person. God makes me a little bit better. And that's relationship with Jesus. I occasionally look to him. That is not the case. I'm telling you. Jesus has to resurrect your dead heart. It's in him. Which leads us, we talked also about verse 23, and that was that whole thing about God having to change our affections before he changes our actions. Let's get into the text that we're looking at today. But before I do, I've got to tell you, I've been talking for a minute, and already I've lost a lot of you. Like you're just not even thinking about what I'm saying right now. You're thinking about what you're going to have to do tomorrow, maybe some heartache that you experienced this week, perhaps some goal that you have to achieve. I don't know what you're thinking about. But let me tell you, would you just take a minute to recalibrate your mind to listen to what we're about to talk about? Just take a minute to listen to what we're about to say. Because let me tell you, the next couple of verses are life transforming. Here's how I know. There are people in your life right now There are people that you love and that love you that are in your life that are praying that you change. There are spouses right now who are going, oh God, change his heart, change her heart. There are children that are going, change Papa's heart, change Mama's heart. There are employers that are saying, Change Johnny's heart. Change Susie's heart. If you don't want to change, I'm telling you, there are people in your life that are begging for you to change. And so the importance of these next few verses will have an effect. Some of you are going to cut 10 years off of your life because you don't take seriously this issue of what God is trying to speak about. And it comes to change in your life. God is talking to you in terms of your diet and your health and all of that. And, and you're just like, no, I don't want to change. And you're going to shave 10 years off of your life. Some of you, listen, because you don't listen to this message, some of you are going to end up in a divorce. Why? Because there was things that your spouse was begging God that you changed, that you were just like, no, nah, it's their problem, it's their issue, it's their thing. Some of you are going to get into the wrong marriage because rather than than growing in friendship with a potential spouse, you grew in lust. And it's going to hurt so bad. Some of us, listen, some of us are going to find ourselves in so much debt that we're not going to know what to do with ourselves. The anxiety is going to get, it's going to overwhelm us. So what we're about, what we're talking about here really is the quality of your future. Because there are things in your life, there are things in my life that have to change. If you don't believe that there are things in my life that have to change, ask my wife. And if you don't believe that there are things in your life that have to change, just ask the people who are closest to you. And if there's no one to ask, boy. That says something, doesn't it? (laughs) 
So we're going to look at the next two verses, and we're going to look at verse 22, and we're going to look at verse 24, and we're going to ask God to help us. Why? Because our futures hang into balance. Our marriages hang in the balance. Our jobs hang in the balance. Our health hangs in the balance. So let's look, because God has important things to say to us. You were taught. Now, Paul is going back. He's just reiterating what he just told them in verses 20 and 21, that thing of being taught in Jesus, that it's in Christ, that you have new resources in Jesus to be able to say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. There are resources that you have to be able to reject those things that have harmed you and receive those things that are of God. There are resources that you have that is found and is rooted in Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, you know, how you used to live, how you used to act, how you used to carry yourself, to put off the old self. Stop. Now, look at me. That, if we had just started there, would be the exact way the rest of the world tells us how to change. The whole world tells us how to change is, hey, dude, just turn over a new leaf. In fact, you may remember this. Years ago, uh, the president's wife, Nancy Reagan, looked at a camera and told all inner city youth, she was, it was within the context of drug use and dealership, right? She, taught, she spoke to a group of inner city youth, of whom I was one, that, hey, listen, what she was saying is, is that the drug lifestyle will only end up in pain and suffering and all that other stuff, and that you shouldn't do it. And what she just said is this. She said almost this verse. She said, anybody know what she said? Just Really? In the projects, when there's no hope, and there's only darkness, and the people who suffer the most are the people who seem to be doing the right thing. Just say no. And that's exactly the same feeling you and I have when God says, dude, say no to that. We go, really? With all the needs that I have, with all the desires that are boiling up in my heart, with all the longings that are creeping up inside of me, really, just say no. How's about I just say no to just saying no? Because the fact is, is the fact is, that's where I find my joy. Listen. But that's not where the text begins. You got to go to the beginning of the series to find out where the text begins. And that's certainly not where the text ends. Paul says, take off those things. Because we have those resources in Christ, because we are new in Jesus, we have resources to be able to say, no, to take off those things that don't work for us anymore. Then he goes on to say, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. This is huge because it's not just being corrupted. My old desires, my old self, they're not just being corrupted. They are corrupt. Listen, if you would have licked my heart before I came to Christ, you'd have died of poison. I had a black and dark heart.
it's corrupt. The things that you think are going to bring you pleasure, corrupt. The things that you think are going to alleviate your pain and your suffering, it's corrupt. The things that you think will satisfy those longing and yearnings that you've never had fulfilled, listen to me, it's corrupt, and here's why. Because they're not desires. Do you see what the text says? Look at the text. It says, by its deceitful desires. In other words, there are desires that I have that are not, listen, that are not for me. There are desires that I walk in that will only harm me. There are desires that live inside my soul that can only serve to harm me, lead me into a deeper depression cause me to want to harm myself, destroy my relationships, ruin my occupation, destroy my uh, fellowship with my children. There are deceitful desires. Just yesterday I was talking with a woman and she was struggling because she was getting hit on all sides. Anybody here ever been hit on all sides? Where like everything just seems to start cratering in. Uh, spouse starts acting this way, kids start acting this way, work starts to get this way. It's just as bad all over, right? It's as bad as it can be. And she said something. She's in that moment of her life. And she said this. She said, I don't trust my thinking. I thought that was brilliant. You need to, let, let, some of us need to simply say, you have a thought that you're going to say to your spouse, you just need to not trust your thinking. Some of us have something that we're going to do at work. You need to not trust your thinking. They're deceit. They're not just desires. They're deceitful desires. Yeah, but it's natural. Everybody feels this way. Yeah, but it's not godly. It's going to kill you. It's possible to have natural desires that are not godly desires. He says that our old self, we're to take it off because it's corrupt. And being corrupted. It's both corrupt and getting more corrupted. It's dead and getting deader. By its deceitful desires. Those things, those saviors that we look for that never satisfy. Then jump down to verse 24 because we talked about verse 23 last week. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, we've been given resources. Not only we've been given resources, when the Christian comes to Christ, he's not better, he's new. When the person who was far away from God finally sees, is, is converted by God, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. And the old is gone. So I was thinking about a way to illustrate this, and I'm going to try to do it this way. So basically, when you and I are walking in our flesh, it kind of looks like this. We, when we come to Christ, it looks like a coat that doesn't fit. It looks weird. It's why, it's why, it's why, if you have any kind of reputation of being a Christian at your job or with your family, who's not, let's say, for instance, in Christ, the response is this. And you, finish this sentence for me, and you call yours, sure. Because you know what they're saying? They're, what they're saying is, the coat doesn't fit. 
you have resources that are, and, and they're not even in Christ. They're saying, you have resources that are in Christ that should justify you not putting on that robe, not putting on that coat. But you and I, you and I fall deeply into adoring our old coat because it worked for us in the past, because it was such a pleasure, because wearing our old coat was so comfortable, and it's what we've known all these years. So what does it look like to put on this coat? It's simple. We, we have financial problems, and what do we do? We put on our coat, and we say, I think I'll manipulate. I think I'll cheat some receipts at work. I think I'll, I'll do some underhanded stuff. I think I'll lie. I think I'll uh, uh, borrow from this one to pay that one. In other words, we find salvation in something other than Christ. We find salvation other than Christ. There are some of us here right now who cannot be convinced that right now you're, you, look, you think you look great. This is exactly who I am. I'm married, but I'm looking to be with somebody else. Yeah, this is exactly the way it should look like. I'm telling you, it doesn't fit. You don't look right. Listen, listen, listen. It's not you anymore. You're in Christ. Not in. See, because right now I'm in this coat. I am in sin. I find myself in sin. And when I find myself in sin, any Savior will do. So rather than running to Jesus because I'm lonely, I run to him or to her. Rather than running to Jesus when I feel insecure and ugly, I run to that. Rather than run to Jesus when I feel uh, uh, just horrible and shameful about my past, I eat more or I shop more. In other words, all these other things will save me. Listen, it doesn't fit. Paul says, Paul says, take it off. Take it off. But don't just stop there. Put on. Put on. He's saying there's a garment that fits you like a glove. There is a, another kind of uh, garment that you're to put on. You're to walk not in sin. You're to walk in Christ. And that fits you better. You go, but I don't feel like that. Doesn't matter how you feel. He made you new. You go, but no, oh, no, my history hasn't pointed to that. It doesn't matter. He's made you new. You go, yeah, but my past, I've always gone back. No, 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 no. He's tailor-made a new garment for you. And that when you, it looks far better than the old garment that you wore. In fact, that doesn't fit you anymore. It doesn't even look right. Oh, but do I, Jesus says, do I have something that'll fit you? perfectly because I've given you my righteousness. I've given you my joy. I've given you my peace. Now I can walk. Listen, I can walk in Christ, clothed in righteousness, walking in the Spirit, no longer having to indulge in my old sin. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. So here's what it looks like. There's a, two words that are going to sort of 
codify our, our teaching for today in the scriptures. And this, here's the first one. The first thing we have to do is we have to reject. Somebody say reject. And that means you got to put up your dukes. You got to fight. Listen, men, let me talk to the men. You can't be a punk your whole life. You got to be willing to fight. Don't tell me that you, wanna, you want the marriage and you're not willing to fight for it. Don't tell me that you want a blessing for your children and you're not willing to pay the price for that blessing. You got to fight. You got to be willing to put up your dukes. Sometimes the temptations are great and you just listen. You got to fight. We say, we're going to reject this way of life. We're going to reject. Why? Because it's not me anymore. It don't fit. It doesn't look like me. It's not me. Yeah, but you don't understand. I have these cravings and I just, you know, I'm driven by the powerful drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive somewhere else. This kind of life no longer fits me. Now, it's not done in willpower. If you remember last week, it's done in finding our joy in Christ. Many of you will go out and try to do this on willpower, fall on your face and say Jesus doesn't work. When that's not at all what we're saying. You have to take this in context of the series that we're in. So here's how it looks. Because I'm in Christ, I go to work and I get the pink slip. And the, you know, man, I, I gave the best 10, 15, 20, whatever your years were. I gave the best 10 years of my life to this job. And now they're going to just throw me out like that? And anxiety starts to well up inside of me. And the reason is, is because in truth, Jesus hasn't been providing for me. The job has. I have. My ability to provide has been providing for me. And now that that's been taken from me, oh no, my Savior is gone. I know I'm going to take the bull by the horns. I'm going to, no, 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 hey, I'm in Christ. Jesus this is a terrible blow. This hurts like crazy. I feel scared. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. But you do. And you knew this pink slip was going to happen before I knew this pink slip was going to happen. But the good news is, is that you've been providing for me long before this pink slip ever happened. And I suspect you won't stop now. So Jesus, would you help me? Whatever your provision looks like, and sometimes it looks like downsizing. And sometimes, listen, believe me, I know, I've been homeless. As I've been the pastor of this church, I've been homeless twice. Not because of sin, but simply because the resources dried up. And when you got four kids and you're going through that, you can either go, I'm going to make this happen. You know what? I'm a Christian, but I bet this sucker will fit over this jacket right now. And I'm, I'm going to make something happen. And boy, I tell you, I'm going to go back to some old ways and do some new things. And, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to make it happen. And I'll just, just for a little while. Nah, 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 nah. Here's, here's a better idea. Take this, throw it off, Paul says. And go, God, would you give me would you give me grace to suffer well in homelessness? Because I know. Would you remind me that every day of this homeless experience that I have a home in heaven that will never perish or be taken from me, that you call a mansion or a room in your mansion that will have everything that I need in terms of security and shelter. Why? Because the gospel is better. You've put on Christ. 
Say, for instance, you go home. You get the pink slip. The pink slip. We just talked about the pink slip. You get another kind of letter, the Dear John letter. And you open it up, and you, re and you knew that there were problems, but you didn't think they were this bad. And you're as surprised as anybody else. And you should have seen it coming, and oh, man, this is terrible. And you see it, and you just fall into a tailspin of depression and anxiety. Oh, man, I'm so stupid. I'm so ugly. I'm so nasty. Nobody will ever love me. Listen. I come and I, and I weep. Jesus says to weep with those who weep, and that's painful, right? But you go and you say, wait up, but the gospel gives me other resources. And I'm not going to go and try to threaten or curse at or speak badly about my spouse. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Jesus and go, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I'm a horrible spouse. I've done terrible things in my marriage. Even if you feel like the, you're the victim. That's the truth about me. But Jesus, I know this. I'm, I'm not going to go and try to fill the empty pain that's in my soul. I'm not going to try to fill it with another lover. I'm not going to go and put on the coat. But I'm reminded that I have a spouse that will one day open up the heavens and come with the trumpet sound, and that marriage will be perfect. Now, Lord, please change in me to look more like Jesus to my wife. Change that in me. Change her heart as well. But remind me that the perfect marriage will happen on that day. Remind me, oh God, that even when I'm at my lowest point, you love me deeply because you died for me, laying down your life for me. See, we have resources that are in the gospel that are not found in your ability to say, try harder, do better, but resources that are in the gospel. And Paul says, if you're going to, if you're going to resist sin, here's, you're going to have to reject you're going to have to reject. It's when the fantasies go in your mind, you're going to have to say, no, that's not good. That's not helpful. That's not going to satisfy. That's not going to fill me. It's not going to work. Not only do you reject, but you also receive. Not only have you received from Christ, but you continue to receive in Christ. And so you walk with him. You receive from him. You say, Jesus, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this, but you do. Jesus, I don't even know how I'm going to experience, but you do. Jesus, I don't know. I'm just afraid. Would you comfort me in my fear? Would you give me wisdom to know what to do with this experience? That's what it means to take off and put on. It means to reject the sin, fight with the resources that you've been given and receive from Christ all that you've received in him. You're no longer lonely. You're accompanied and he'll never leave or forsake. Your sorrow is no longer on your own, but Jesus weeps with you.
your brokenheartedness no longer has to be experienced alone, but Jesus has experienced a broken heart for you. So let me ask you, are you too good for that? Does that not sound like it's for you? That Jesus would die on the cross and give you resources that you need, not, give, not making you better, but making you alive? Not helping you, but saving you? So listen, in a minute, okay, so there's two types of people who are here, or there's multiple, there's a lot of types of people that are here, but big groups are, there are people here who have never submitted to Jesus. You've never made, Jesus has never been your boss. He's never been the director of your life. He's never been your, the one that you go to, the director of your movie. He's never been that. You call the shots. You're the boss in your life. You go, yeah, I know about Jesus, and yeah, I've, I've, spelt, I've felt emotional experiences, but he's not the boss of my life. Ask my wife. Ask my husband. Ask my kids. Ask my boss. Jesus is not the boss of my life. I am. I, make, I call the shots. For those of you who are here who have never surrendered your life to Christ, and what I mean by that is allow Jesus to be the boss of your life. For those of you here, I'm going to give you, in one minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to make a declaration that Jesus is the authority in your life. Now, there's a group of you here that you, you're in Christ, and you're thinking the same thing you thought about change before you got here. You're thinking this, oh, this is great news. I'm going to just turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better husband. You, and, and you're not listening to the sermon. It's not instant. It's eternal. The process is an everlasting one. So listen to me. This week, you're going to blow it. And when you blow it, I want you to run to Jesus. This week, you're going to sin. Let me just take the mystery out of this week. This week, you're going to sin. And when you sin, I want you to run to Jesus. This week, you're going to mess up. And you want you to take your mess up to Jesus. But for those of you who have never surrendered your life, I'm going to ask you to stand. In about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand. And what you're doing in standing is you're saying this, Jesus you lived the perfect life. I believe that you died for my sin. There's a penalty that my sin deserves that you took on for me. And I'll exchange you. I'll exchange you the coat that doesn't fit for the suit that does. I'll exchange your righteousness for my sinfulness. Let's make a trade. And Jesus goes, finally. Now, in 15 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand, and every demon in hell is going to tell you, don't stand. Now, if you've already made a declaration about who Jesus is, if, in other words, if you've already have a moment in time where you've stood for Christ, you said, no, Jesus, I'm going to make you, you just need to just walk in this new experience. Maybe you need to grow, go to one of the discipleship groups. That's, this is not for you to stand. I'm talking about those who have never stood. You can say in your heart, God, I want to walk more faithfully in you, and that's fine. But for those of you who, in, in 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you, it's happening. 
And you're thinking, oh, but the people around me, don't think about those people around me, because believe me, there's going to be a day when you're going to be before the eternal king of the universe, and you're not going to care about who was around you. I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand and say, Jesus, you save me from my sin. You take on my sin and my punishment, and I'll give you my righteousness. We say it this way in our house. Because you're worse than you think and more loved by Jesus than you can imagine. It's going to happen. Five, four, three, two, one. Stand if you've never stood. All right. All right. All right. Praise God. Praise God, brother. Praise God. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. I want to tell you incredible. Stay right there. I want to tell you incredible news. Jesus knows all of your dirty, all of your grimy, all of your shameful. He knows all of your past. And he says, I can't get over how much I love you. I can't get over how much I love you. Not because of anything that you've ever done, but because what he's done on the cross for you. He died on the cross facing the punishment so that you could live and face only the joy that it is in being in Christ. So, now, you're going to need a little bit more direction on how to do this walk in Christ. And we're going to help you. We have, man... There has never been a better time to be saved at the Recovery House of Worship than today, ever. We have discipleship groups starting up that I want you to be a part of. We're going to have people, if you gave your heart on the yellow card, I want you to check off. Just check it off. Gave my heart to Christ. And we're going to have, if you're a woman, we're going to have women call you up. And if you're a guy, we're going to have guys call you up and say, hey, bro, how can I help you? Hey, sis, how can I help you grow? I want you to know you're not in this alone. And listen to me. Jesus wipes away your past. He wipes away your shame. He doesn't make you better. He makes you new. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't help you with life. He gives you new life. And he's going to do it. He's doing it already in you. So I'm going to pray for you. You stay right there. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for what you, the salvation that you offer them in Jesus Christ. And I ask that in Jesus' name, you deeply impregnate them with the truth of your presence. I pray, oh God, that you do as your word says, Lord, and it's almost silly to pray it because you said you're going to do it. I just want to remind them and remind me that he who began a good work in us will carry it out to its completion. Would you remind everyone standing that when they blow it this week that you're still working on them? That you're drawing them to yourself? Would you remind all of us, Lord, that when we fail, you don't? You draw us to yourself in love. Help us, O oh God, to see your beauty. Transform our minds to see you more wonderful than our old saviors and old sins. Draw us to Christ. 
for your glory and our joy. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.